We're gonna start today in Luke chapter two. We're actually gonna start in the Christmas story that all of us know. If you've seen, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas, this is the one that, that Linus says, this is Luke chapter two. And we are in a season right now, of course, where so many things have been canceled. We're gonna talk about how the enemy is doing that, but it starts in Luke chapter two, and I'll, I'll start this. It says, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you, everybody help me with this, I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. How many really feel like this is a season, we need some joy? So watch this, this is huge here. This is, this is why I started off with this verse is because of the context of this verse. Most people may or may not know, you may not know this, but you know there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. The first book of the New Testament we know is Matthew, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What people fail to realize is, is many think that it just goes straight from Malachi to Matthew, but there was 400 years in between those two. I don't know if you knew that. 400 years, watch this. 400 years of God not saying a word. 400 years of not a prophet standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord. 400 years of no miracles. 400 years of nothing. How I many know 400 years of no God? It's probably pretty dark. You're starting to think through, is this God really who he says he is? Does he really exist? I mean, you're thinking all of these thoughts. And so here we are in the darkest season of it all. They haven't heard from God. And angels show up on the scene and say, I've got some good news. <laughs> How many know when you just had a bad, a bad day and somebody calls you and goes, I got some good news? You're like, finally, I need some good news. And here we are, these, they've had 400 years of bad news, no news. And the angel shows up and says, hey, I've got some good news. And by the way, attached to this great news is great joy. And how many know the message of Christmas is that God came to bring great joy to broken people? That's the message of Christmas. God comes to bring great joy to broken people. 1957, there was a Random House Publishing published what was one of the most successful books all of you have probably read it. Even if you're not readers, you probably have all read this book. It's written by one of the most famous authors ever, Dr. Seuss. And many of you know Dr. Seuss. How many read a Dr. Seuss book to your kids or something? Okay, Dr. Seuss. And Dr. Seuss wrote this book. We have this book that was written. And it now, many years ago, was turned into a Christmas cartoon. And then it was turned into an actual Christmas movie played by none other than Jim Carrey. Anybody know the movie that I'm talking about? How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <clears throat> Became a, you know, just a, a classic. It's one of those classic movies that you have to watch during the Christmas season if you have kids, probably. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And if you know the story of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, there's, there's the Grinch, and, and the Grinch um, is, is just in a bad place. And because he's in a bad place and he's depressed and he's upset, his whole desire is to make sure that he can steal the joy of Christmas from all the Whoville by stealing all of their presents. And so he does. He steals all of their presents to try to steal all of their joy. And uh, hopefully I'm not doing a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. <laughs> it ends well. I just want you to know it ends, it ends well. And, and so that's, that's his MO. 
he's depressed, he's discouraged. And so he wants to make sure that everybody else is and he just hates that everybody else has joy. And so he steals all the presents to steal their joy. Can I tell you that even though this movie doesn't have spiritual implications, I think we can look at it in some regards because I mean, there is also a Grinch that we deal with called the enemy that is after about stealing your joy as well. And he's not trying to steal presents under the tree. He's trying to steal the present that hung on a tree that all of us have found joy. I mean, he can't steal Jesus, but he can steal the presence that Jesus brings you. And Jesus brings you joy and hope and peace. And, and so the enemy is after stealing that from you and, and from I. And so I, I want us to look at this idea of joy and how the enemy is trying to cancel our joy. We know this is his motive. John 10, 10 tells us that this is the enemy, the Grinch. He, he wants to do this. It says the thief's purpose is to what? to steal and to kill and destroy. And my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. This is what the thief is all after. Now, here's the question that we all gotta ask. Why is the thief, the enemy, so after stealing your joy? Why is he after that? Well, Nehemiah 10 gives us this answer. Here we go. Nehemiah 10 says, uh, 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your, is your strength. And here's what he knows, ready? If you possess the joy of the Lord, you also possess the Lord's strength. So watch, so the enemy is technically not after your joy, he's after your strength. Because if you have no strength, how many know you quit? You quit. So the enemy is not necessarily just after your joy, he's after your strength. You're gonna see this, I'll I'll begin to unpack this as we go into this message, but the enemy's not after your joy. He's after what your joy produces in you because when you have God's joy, you also have God's strength. But when you don't have God's joy, you don't have God's strength. And when you don't have God's strength, you can't do what God calls you to do because you need his strength to do it. Man, I am preaching up in this 11 o'clock and you, y'all need some coffee? What do we need, okay? Help me here, all right? Sweating, I'm all like, okay. So, so this is what I wanna do. I want, us to, I want us to dive in and look at this. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if y'all have noticed, there is now becoming, because it's becoming cheaper and more readily available, people are getting security cameras for their homes now. Um, how many have a security camera for your home? Okay, well, maybe you don't wanna tell people that you have a security, I don't know. <laughs> I ain't telling nobody. So. If you've noticed, because security cameras have become a lot cheaper, people are getting them now more, and so it's getting revealed now more and more of people who are going into neighborhoods, you know, trying to break into cars or breaking into homes or whatever. And, and I've seen even like on my own Facebook page where people have had people try to steal things at their home and then they had a security camera and so they take that footage and then they upload it to social media and be like, does anybody know this guy? Y'all seen that happen? And then like they bust the person because they find out what's going on. Uh, I actually like watching the ones that are on YouTube, like the stupid burglars that are like, <laughs> going after things. I, I watched one last night and I almost showed it this morning. I should have. It was two guys that were trying to go rob a, a convenience store and they both had a brick and they were like throwing the bricks into the glass to, 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 to do it. And so one guy threw the brick and it didn't, it didn't do anything. It just bounced. And so the other guy went and he threw his brick and the other guy walked in front of him and he hit him in the head. <laughs> he knocked out. <laughs> I should have showed it. I should have showed it. It might be better for you not to see it. Just imagine it. So his other guy's on it, and so he goes and he picks them up, and he's like dragging them. They're stupid burglar. So, 
so the reason I bring all that up and the reason I talk about security cameras is because now that we have security cameras, more, we're more aware. And so when you're aware of what's going on, you do things very differently when you're aware that there's burglars in your neighborhood. Like you lock your doors and you make sure that certain things are put away. And you know, you're just a lot more cautious when you know that there's stuff that's going around in your neighborhood than when you were not aware. So I'm just here today to tell you that there is an enemy that is after your joy and I want you to be aware because the more aware you are, the more you can protect it. Because here's, here's the other thought, ready? Because what you possess, you must protect. What you possess, you must protect. Anything that you possess that is of value to you, you protect it. At your home, you have locks on your homes, you have alarms on your car, you have, you know, people have carry guns with them because they're, they wanna protect the things that are valuable to them. But watch this, just because you can get it doesn't mean you always keep it. Because if you don't protect it, you can lose it. And the same is with the joy that Christ gives us. Just because you can get God's joy doesn't mean you keep God's joy. That there is an enemy that is trying to cancel your joy. And so I'm gonna show you three ways he tries to cancel your joy. And then I'm gonna show you three ways on how you can protect it. So let's dive in today. Number one, comparison. Comparison. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says this, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Watch this. But what's the word? Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Which by the way, if you know anything about cancer, cancer doesn't stay where it starts. Cancer spreads. So it says a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy, 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 this desiring of what other people have, wanting it yourself, the, this idea of comparison, that we, that we look at what other people have or what other people are doing and wish that, that we had. And <clears throat> I, I think, unfortunately, however much I absolutely love social media, it has actually heightened this even on another level. It's caused even greater depression. Isn't it true? Like you could be scrolling on any kind of social media and you see somebody, you know, with their, taking a picture at the dealership with their brand new car and then you gotta go get out in your clunker. <laughs> You're just praying it starts. You're like, oh man, I wish I could have. Or, you know, you see your family, friends going to, you know, the beach in Destin and you can't even get to the beach in Lake Arthur. And you're like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, they're always on vacation. We don't go anywhere. Yeah, or, or you see the family that's got like the really nice, like family, family photos. I mean, you know, it's like Christmas time. So everybody gets like the family Christmas cards. You, know, you all remember when we used to do that? Now we got social media, so we don't even send cards anymore. Like here, here's our family. Okay, enjoy. <laughs> But like you look at, the, isn't it true though? Like you look at the family, you look at that like really sweet, like really nice card or, you know, whether it's on social or whatever, and you like, you look at it and you're like, man, I wish my husband would smile. And, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, oh, man, I wish my kids would just behave like that. Look at that. And like, you have no clue what they went through to take that picture. Like it looks all perfect and everything, but you don't know like that husband like threatened the kids with their life. And then the wife, the wife like drugged the husband there. And like, he's, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like <clears throat> we judge our behind the scenes by everybody else's highlight reel. We see what they want us to see. And then we judge the reality of what we see based off of what they want us to see. And it brings comparison, which then brings jealousy or insecurity so many things. And, and this isn't, by the way, this has been proven even by secular people. 
I don't know if um, you subscribe to Netflix. If you do, I would encourage you, especially if you um, have social media or if you have your kids have social media, there is a documentary called The Social Dilemma. If you haven't watched this, I would encourage you to go watch this. Uh, You may not want to after you watch it because it begins to expose some of the dark sides of social media. Actually, it's a lot of the people who, who built Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and TikTok, they are now on this video talking about how much they hate it. Things that they created, that they got wealthy off of, they're now showing you the dark side, not that they planned to, but how something that started out as great actually ended up becoming something that started hurting people more than helping people. One of the statistics that they showed, I'm gonna show it to you, they have a graph that's on there, and this is, the graph, this is the graph that they showed. Can you put that up there? There we go. It says this, ever since, over the last decade, so ever since social media came out, watch, in 2000, 2005 to 2009 is when social media really became a big deal. From 2009 all the way to 2017, girls from the ages of 15 to 19, 70% rose in suicide rates. And girls 10 to 14 rose 151%. Over the last decade, the number, the second greatest thing that has caused, um, or the second um, leading cause of death among teenagers and mid-teens, uh, pre-teens, is suicide. Second greatest cause of death, suicide. And they're attributing it to the fact that our kids are scrolling and seeing things, and then, due to insecurities and jealousy, feel less than because of what they see now. So I would encourage you, by the way, if you have children that are using social media, be very aware of it. Because how many know, just as much as you wouldn't let just anybody walk into your house and do something to your children, why would we let them do it via a phone? Are y'all with me? Like, let's be careful with what we're allowing. Let's protect, let's have conversations. But this is really true. A girl, a girl is looking through her TikTok or through her Instagram and sees another girl and just devalues her own body. And so comparison, watch this, because this comparison, this isn't just a teenage thing. How many know this is also an adult thing? We do this as adults as well. And, and what we do is, is as we look at what other people have, we begin to, it, it just sucks the joy out of our life. And so this actually happened thousands of years ago in the Old Testament to a guy by the name of King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse seven and nine says this. So King Saul has sent his army out. One of his leading guys that leads the army is a guy by the name of David that we all know. He was an incredible warrior. And he went out and he won this incredible battle. And they're coming back celebrating the war, celebrating the battle that they had won. And it said this. And so this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his 10,000s. This made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, look at the next verse. They credit David with 10,000 and me with only 1,000. Next, they're gonna be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a, a jealous eye on David. Were they saying, we hate Saul? Were they saying that? No, they were not. Were they saying, Saul is a terrible king? No. All they were doing was, was blessing and praising a man for what he had accomplished. But because of Saul's insecurities, he said, well, if they like him, then eventually they're gonna like him more than they're gonna like me. And because they're gonna like him more than they're gonna like me, then they're gonna make him the king. And then what am I gonna do? 
And the Bible says from that day on, he had a jealous eye on David. Now watch this. If he would have celebrated instead of compared, he could have had the greatest kingdom ever. Because he would have had a man who was a mighty warrior who led his army. He could have been the most celebrated king. But instead, because of his jealousy, watch this, because of his jealousy, what he predicts will happen, happened. And there's many times in our lives, because of our own insecurities, we project our own insecurities onto other people and they have no clue. But because of our own insecurities, we project it onto people because we're comparing ourselves with them. And when you compare, you always lose. Because watch this, when you compare yourself to other people that are better than you, you feel less than. But when you compare yourself with people who are less than you, you get prideful. How many know comparison always loses? You never win with comparison. And so what do we do to protect ourselves from that? Let me give you some thoughts here. Number one is connection is key. Here's how we protect our joy. Connection is key. Because we are the most connected people in mankind, we need to understand what we're connected to and make sure that we're properly connected to the right connection. John chapter 15 says it this way. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who what? Those who remain in me, connect with me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And he goes on, watch this. And now he says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with, with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I'm telling you this, stay connected to me, remain in me, because when you remain in me, you're going to get my joy. It's going to fill in your life. Not only is it gonna fill in your life, it's going to overflow in your life, but you better make sure that you're connected to the right thing. There are some things you're connected to and they fill you, and there's some things you're connected to and they drain you. We need to make sure that we're not looking to something that's actually draining us, thinking that it's going to fill us. And so this is so important. Any of y'all ever um, at night went to go, you, you know, your phone was almost dead, you see the little red bar and, and you go to plug it in and then you go to get up the next morning and the other end wasn't plugged in? Y'all ever had that happen? You're like, what? Yeah, it's because it wasn't connected and so because it wasn't connected, you didn't get all of the, the, the recharge that happened from that. Now watch this, this is so huge here. And the same is true with our spiritual walk. If the only time you're connecting to Jesus is on Sunday, how many know your battery ain't gonna last long? You're gonna get to Tuesday and you're gonna be taking people's heads off. This is why it's so important for us to have a daily charge, a daily connection with the Lord that every day I come before him and I let him recharge me. I would even say multiple times through the day, there's times when my battery gets low but by lunch. I mean, I gotta replug in. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And that you just need to disconnect from the things that are sucking life from you and joy from you and reconnect to the God that is pouring life into you. And if you're looking to something or someone to be your source of joy, what's gonna happen when those things aren't there? Because you can receive your joy from things, you just can't receive your joy when it's tied to them. So I receive joy being with my family but I just gotta make sure that my joy is not tied to my family. I receive joy from my job. I receive joy from doing things, but I just gotta make sure that they're not tied to them because what happens when you don't have those anymore? What, what, what happens? What, we, we need to make sure that we're connected to the right source. Watch what Psalms 4 says. Psalms 4 puts it this way. You, everybody say you. you. 
you have put more joy in my heart than they when have when their grain and their wine abound. Anybody remember Sunday school when they sang the song, I've got the joy, 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 joy. There's three of y'all that went to Sunday school. <laughs> down in my heart, down in my heart, I got the joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart. Oh, man, y'all are pretty, okay, now we're getting there, we're getting there. And I'm so happy, so very happy. Okay, right. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. <laughs> the sad thing is we didn't sing that in children's church. We sing that in main church. That was, that, you know you had a church when that one, and you dance around with flags, you know. And you, <laughs> I'm so happy. All those people that wanted to be in, what's that called? The flag people in high school, whatever that's called. Color guard. All the, all the people who failed out of color guard in high school got it in the church, though. They were all in the church. <laughs> Like, there's a reason you didn't get color guard in high school. <laughs> y'all don't know. If y'all haven't been to a church like that, you don't know. Oh. So, <laughs> where was I? So, so you, God, you have put more joy in, in my heart. You, you put it in my heart. You put it in my heart. Because when I get joy, I get strength. And when I get strength, my heart feels strong. My body feels strong. My life feels strong. You put joy in my heart. Notice you don't put joy in my job or just put joy in my relationships or put joy in, no, no, you put it in my heart because I can get things from those, but I can't be just connected to them. Like I, I get joy from him, from him. So that means you can, you can get really bad news and go through really hard times, but God still put joy in your heart. Joy in your heart, joy in your heart. So number two, let's talk about the second way that, that our thief, the enemy, tries to cancel our joy. Number two, complaining. <sighs> Should I just move on to three? Okay, Job 10.1, watch this. Job 10.1 says, I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. Some of you, this is your 2020 verse of the year. <laughs> I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter, my bitter soul must complain. Now, here's what you need to understand. The words that come out of our mouth, we've said this a lot of times, but it just bears repeating, that the words that come out of our mouth are a byproduct of where our heart is. Out of the abundance of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your life is always moving in the strongest direction of what you're thinking. So this is how Dr. Dale Robbins, he put it, he put it this way. He said, I used to think people complained because they had a lot of problems, but I've come to realize that they have a lot of problems because they complain. <clears throat> not complaining is not going to take the problems away but more complaining will just add more to the problems that are there. So this is where, watch this, this is where yet again, kind of going back to the first thing about connection is the key. The presence of God is not a place for us to bypass our emotions. The presence of God is a place for us to process our emotions. So when I want to complain and have right, I feel like at times to complain, 
I need to make sure that I'm bringing those complaints before God because if I don't pour out my complaints to God, I'll pour out my complaints to people. And I will be looking to people to fix something in me that only God can fix. Are y'all with me? Okay, so we need to understand that this idea of complaining, this is why James says it this way, James 1, we've been looking at this verse all year, but I'm gonna just continue to come back to this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, when 2020 is not the year that you want, when you're ready for this thing to all be over, when you're ready to kind of move on, hey, listen, before you do all that, just consider an opportunity for, yeah, y'all had a hard time saying that. Consider an opportunity for great joy. Watch this. This is what makes Christians different than the world. This is what makes you a different employee than everybody else. Everybody else complaining about the boss. Not you. Everybody else is complaining about the kids. Not you. Everybody else is complaining about whatever else. But you see these as an opportunity for great joy. That's not to say that I have great joy because of those. I have great joy in spite of those. This is what separates us from the rest of the world. It's easy to have great joy when everything is great. It is a whole nother thing to have great joy when everything is not. And that, my friends, is what sticks out to a broken, hurting world. When you're walking around full of the joy of the Lord, overflowing to those around you. So this is, I'll put it a different way. How I'm doing does not depend on how it's going. How I'm doing does not depend on how it's going. And, and we see this, by the way, from Paul, and we'll get into him in just a minute and a little bit of, 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 of his story and how he could do that. But, but when I want, want to complain, I wanna pour out my complaints. It's okay for us to pour out our complaints to God. He's got big shoulders. He wants us to. We just have to be, be careful that we are bringing it to him. And, and so what's, how do we protect ourselves from that? How do we protect ourselves from constantly having complaining spirit? Ready? Let me show you. No, number two is this. Worship is your weapon. Worship is your weapon. It is very difficult to complain and worship at the same time. Very, very difficult. Paul had every right to complain, to be in a bad mood, to be in despair. Everything he was trying to do was for God, and yet it seemed like everywhere he went, he was either getting beaten or shipwrecked or imprisoned, and, and yet we get Philippians. Philippians was written out of prison and Philippians 4 starts off, watch this, Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice, just rejoice in the Lord. 18 times in the book of Philippians, you get the word joy or rejoice, 18 times. Watch this, how do you get the most joyful book in all of scripture out of the most painful place in all of scripture? the most painful place in all of scripture. And yet you get the most joyful book. We would think that this book would be written on Paradise Island in you know, the Bahamas or something. I don't, but this is a man who is in the darkest place, greatest despair, and yet writes the most joy-filled book. And that is because, yet again, his joy wasn't connected to his circumstances. Psalm 16, verse 11, watch this, says it this way. You make known to me the path of life because in your 
what? In your presence, watch this. What, what do we find in the presence of God? There is fullness of joy. That, that when we get into God's presence, we receive his fullness of joy. Now watch this. It is difficult to protect your joy if you do not practice the spiritual disciplines of worship. I'm gonna say that again. It is difficult to protect your joy if you do not practice the spiritual disciplines of worship. You say, well, what is a spiritual discipline? A spiritual discipline is a spiritual activity that you do that makes you spiritually stronger. So there's a number of spiritual disciplines. Reading God's word is a spiritual discipline. Praying is a spiritual discipline. Giving to the Lord is a spiritual discipline. But worship as well is a spiritual discipline. And worship, ready? Here's, here's the easiest definition of worship. Worship is the pursuit of the presence of God. It is the, it is the ascribing of honor to who God is. It is giving him all the worth that he deserves. Now, I love the Christmas holidays. I love it. And one of the reasons I love the Christmas holidays is because it's filled with music. Okay, this is the only, okay, there's not, there's not a lot of Thanksgiving songs, Fourth of July songs, you know, other than my country tis of thee. I mean, but Christmas though, like it gets like, it gets a smorgasbord of Christmas music, okay? How many, how many are Christmas music people? Like it's going on in your home and it's in your car. We started turning it on like during Thanksgiving. My boys were like, why are y'all playing Christmas music? Like Scrooge, go back to your room, okay? So we're playing Christmas music around here. We love Christmas music. A lot of it is, you know, celebrating Christ and, and we'll sing a lot of it here at the church in the coming weeks as we lead up to Christmas. And, and so, there's, so this is a, like, uh, you know, a lot of singing. Singing, a lot of, lot of, you know, singing loud for all to hear. It's just a lot of that, all right? Get some elf punts in there. Okay, so... But, but here's, here's where I want to help you, because when I talk about worship is your weapon, immediately we go to singing. But singing is not always worship. Watch this. Some of you came in here today and you sang, but I don't know if you worshiped. Because singing is totally different. Singing is just words that are on a screen and you know the songs and you like the melody and you can sing it. Worship is when we pursue the presence of God and we ascribe honor to who he is. So there's a lot of people that can sing. Well, no, not a lot of people can sing, like good, but <laughs> can make a joyful noise. But not, not many people worship. And, and here's the deal, watch this. When you get into God's when you encounter Jesus, you worship. Okay, so let me show you how this plays out. So the story of, of Jesus' birth, we know the, the wise men come to find him and watch what happens. The, this verse says it, is it in Matthew? We have that, you have that verse? Thank you. Matthew 2.10. When they saw the star, they were filled with? There we go, joy. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and? and worshiped him. Now the next verse says how they worshiped him. They worshiped him by bringing gifts. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. This is a part of their act of worship. So watch this. Worship involves, can involve singing, but it's not just singing. 
The Bible says in, that, that in Romans 12, 1, that, that our life is a living sacrifice. It is a, a, a reasonable act of service. It's our worship to the Lord. Like how you live your life is an act of worship. Like you're gonna leave here tomorrow, you're gonna go to the, your job, and guess what? You will worship at your job. And I'm not talking about like have OSC, you know, worship going on. I'm talking about like how you work is worship. Like how you handle your relationships is worship. Like everything that we do, it ascribes honor and glory to God. And so if you want to uh, protect yourself from complaining, you just begin to worship and ascribe honor to him. And I don't know if that's, you know, the same for you, but man, if I've ever just been in a funk or just been in a, you know, just in that place for me to get into whether it's a place in my house or in my car or just in a quiet place and put on worship music that makes much of Jesus, here's what I learned. It's not that my problems go away, it's just God becomes bigger than them. Are y'all with me? Okay, so, so this is what we need to do. We ascribe it to him for who he is. All right, number three. Third way that we have the enemy try to cancel our joy is unconfessed sin. Now we're going deep. You thought complaining was rough. So watch what Psalms chapter 32 says this way. Psalms 32, verse two through five says this. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Now watch this. Whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Watch this, here we go. My, my strength, we've been talking about this, what did it do? It evaporated like water in the summer heat. So this is what he's saying. He's saying when there's things that are in my life, now, now let me just say this, we're all sinners, okay? We, we've, we've all sinned. We, we all struggle at times with, with sin, but, but we're talking about habitual things in our lives that we are not allowing God to enter into. We all, we all blow it, but there are things in our lives that are unconfessed and that are secretive and that are habitual. And he says, when I didn't confess these to the Lord, my strength evaporated. Really? Well, yeah, because Nehemiah says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so I know that in order for me to get to the joy of the Lord, I've got to live in complete honesty because when I don't live in complete honesty and I have areas of my life that no one knows about, it evaporates my strength. How I many you know there's, there's nothing worse than living in fear of being caught, being fake, acting one way but living a different way or, or acting one way and people thinking you are one way and then going home and knowing that you're not and, and you're always looking uh, over your shoulder and you're always scared who's gonna look at your phone or your computer or you, you just fill in the blank, whatever that, that may look like. There's just this, these things that are going on inside of you and then there's, there's this fear. Here's the fear. The fear is that if anyone knows what's going on inside of me, then they're not gonna love me. They're going to reject me. But how many of you know to be not known is to be not loved? When you're not known, you're not loved and so you go to bed at night going, I don't want anybody to know because I don't want them to not love me. But then to not be known is to not be loved already. So it's this catch 22 and how the enemy, y'all see how the enemy plays this? 
And he says, because you've done bad, you are bad. And so now he puts guilt and shame and he mixes all of that up in there. And so it's like, I don't want anybody to know, know about this. And what ends up happening is we get into this place where we're more concerned with protecting our self-image than we are to being enslaved and being set free. God, may we not be so adamant about protecting our self-image that we don't want to be free. Are y'all with me? Come on, freedom people. I... Um, when Joel was, was younger, we would always play hide and go seek with my kids. So all the boys would go hide and we'd you know, play hide and go seek. But my son um, wears oxygen at night. So we have a little portable oxygen concentrator that sits on our you know, first floor. And, and we have probably like 60 or 70 feet of like oxygen tubing. And so he'd be like, dad, let's go play not realizing that he has the oxygen tube still on his face as he's running to the places he goes and hide. So it's absolutely hilarious, you know, three, two, one, here I ready or not, here I come. And then man, he thinks he's found the best spot. And I'm just like, what's up, Joel, where are you? Where did you go? Where did you go? And then he finds and he's like, how did you find me? I'm like, I don't know, I'm just so good. So I've realized this though, just as much as we think we're hiding from God, he knows where we are. I mean, you know, he knows. Like, that's the thing I love the most about me, about God, is that he knows the worst parts about me yet still chooses to love me the most. And so I want you to see how David ends this in Psalms. But this is how we protect our joy. The way we protect it is we run to the Father. Yes. Yes. Religion says, watch this. Religion says, I've done wrong. I need to run from my Father. The gospel says, I've done wrong. I need my Father. And is this not true for all of us that are parents here? When your kids have blown it, you really would just like them just to come to you. I don't want you to hide from me and then I gotta go find it out later. I always tell my boys, if I have to find it out later, you're in more trouble than if you came to me and told me what's going on. I have a lot more grace if you come and, and, and confess it than if you hide it and you lied about it and then I gotta find it because God takes lying more seriously. And so, so he says he confessed it. Watch, watch this next verse, watch what happens. The rest of this verse, he goes this. So finally, I like that word finally. Like he like, it took him a little bit. I feel good about that. Like sometimes it just takes you a little bit. He says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And, and, and watch how God meets his confession. And you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. How many know there's no better way to live than guilt-free? Guilt-free, guilt-free. So listen, you can say you wanna live different, but if you're not willing to do something different, you'll never get different. If you keep living through the same thing over and over again, and I know that the enemy probably has some of you in such a deep place of thinking that I just can't let people know. And I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, you're never going to experience the true freedom that God has for you. And you're never going to experience the joy that God wants to give you until you live known. And, and God puts people around you that can help with that. And it's just by his grace 
that he comes in and he steps in and he, man, he walks with us through that. Run to the Father. Don't run from him, run to him. God will restore your joy. And because he restores your joy, he also restores your strength. Some of you like, I can't go on anymore. You know why? You have no strength. You know why? Because you have no joy. You know why? Because I don't know. Comparison, complaining, unconfessed sin. Might be other things. I don't know. You want to get your strength back? Get your joy back. You want to get your joy back? Connect to the Father. Amen? Father, we love you. And God, we, we, we need you. We need you. God, I pray that today would be a day people get their joy back. Get their joy back. Thank you that there's only one place that we can get true joy. True joy, and that's from you. So help us to connect with you. I pray that for every person in here that, that this morning won't be the only time that they're connecting with you. But tomorrow, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday. And whatever lie that the enemy has played into their mind that they've done too much, that they can't connect with God, I pray all of that right now would just, it would be lifted off of them. Thank you that our freedom is found in you. Our righteousness is found in you. And so we need your strength and we want your joy. If you're here in this room and maybe there's, you've struggled with comparison or complaining or maybe unconfessed sin today you're saying, you know what, I, I want to make that turn. I know I want, to, I want to repent of that. Repentance means just going from lower to higher. I turn around and I go to, the, to where God wants me to be. If that's you, nobody looking around. If you're online, you can join in on this as well. Say that, man, that's, that's me. I, I, man, I want to get my joy back. Would you just shoot your hand up all across this place? Man, that's me. I'm ready to get that back. Ready to get that back. Man, hands going up all over. Thank you so much. God, we want that back. We want that back. So right now, just right there where you are, could you just have a moment with the Lord? And could you just let him know? Be honest with him. Right now in this moment, God, we're running to you, not from you. So Father, we just confess this. We repent of this. And now just fill in whatever that is. God, I repent of, and you just, you tell the Lord what that is. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Father, we just turn from that. We invite you to come. Wash away our guilt. I thank you, Lord. I just, I'm gonna read this again. Finally, I confess my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. So today we expose those things in our hearts that have held us captive that have stolen our joy. And I thank you that all our guilt is gone, that joy is restored, that strength is revived. And I pray that over marriages, over families, over individuals, I pray that over homes today. I pray that homes would get their joy back. What has been a, a stressful, difficult home I pray that the presence of God would be pursued in that home. And I pray that the presence of God would bring joy and peace. I pray that it would bring strength. Let it change today, God. Let it change today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. 
that helps us in our weakness. We lean on you today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Come on, y'all love Jesus today. Thankful for him.